Welcome to the Third City Christian Church podcast. This week's message is Thriving, Part 5, Kindness, recorded Sunday, July 4th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. For many of you, you see freedom as more than a national concept. It's, it's a lifestyle of, of hope that takes us into eternity, and that's what Jesus offers us. And as Rachel said, we're working through the virtues of the fruit of the Spirit, and we've established some basic ideas already about this, how if we're going to have a life that's thriving in the power of God's Spirit, how that's going to look for us. For instance, we've established that every person who is saved from sin and death by the power of the resurrection from Jesus of Jesus is empowered with the Spirit. He, he gives us this, this ability to live life on a different trajectory. And we've established that God gives people the ability then to, to live differently. And, and, and it's going to help you. And it's certainly going to make an impact on the people around you. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we established through these fruits of the Spirit, as they're called, that love is the core of all of them. So all of them stem from the, the primary place of love. And then everything, the other eight, you know, come out of that. You can't do any of those without the greatest of these, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We also established that that uh, it's, it's, a, it's an, an important for us to, to have certain things happening in our lives so these can occur. In other words, we are not just, like they're not put into us and then we have no ability to make decisions ourselves about how we live our lives. As a matter of fact, uh, these are not called the compulsions of the Holy Spirit because God's not going to make you do any of these. Uh, if anything, we are, they're, they're outcomes of the Holy Spirit. When we cooperate with him, cooperation. These are not called the fruit of self-effort. It's not just about what you do. There's an empowerment that comes from God for this, yet there's still something that you have to accomplish yourself so that you can thrive in the power of these. Now, this week, we're going to take it a step further. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Now we're going to talk about kindness. Now, one of the things we've been doing throughout this series is reading these two verses together. So join me as we read Galatians chapter 5, 21, or 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. There is no law. Now, so Paul, who all wrote that, also wrote in Colossians something that sounds very similar. Here's what it says. So, as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on, that's the first I want you to kind of circle if you do that kind of thing, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so should you. Just as the Lord, so should you. That's, that's the heart behind all of this. This word put, this term put on. Now Paul is saying, you know, just like when you wake up in the morning, you say, I, gotta, I guess I better get dressed. Some of you are. I mean, COVID's over. You got to get dressed, okay? So you get, a decision is, what am I going to wear? And pray tell, you wear the right kinds of things. But just like you do that with your clothing, we need to 
have that same attitude about our attitudes, about, you know, what am I going to wear today? And when I'm out there in this, this big, bad world, I've got, I've got to put on, you know. Kindness is a choice. Now, that brings up a question because, after all, it's risky. Why should I be kind? Because let's face it, if I'm nice to someone, it might blow up in my face. If I'm, if I'm good to someone, they, they might be suspicious of me. They might think, well, what's in it for him? Because that's how we think, isn't it? Or, or they might be thinking, are they trying to take advantage of me? So it's kind of risky. I mean, despite the risk, though, there's at least a couple reasons that I should be kind. The first one is the most basic one, and that is because God is kind to me. It starts with him. Uh, God is kind. Romans chapter 12, or 2, 4 says, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? Not knowing that the kindness of God leads us to repentance? It's the kindness of God that brings me the hope that I live in. It's, it's, it's that tolerance, that patience that he shows me that should start to work its way through me. Now, another, reasons why, well, another reason why I need to be kind is because I want people to be kind to me. It's just kind of simple, basic stuff, right? I mean, and you know this, even if you want to ignore it, that the way you treat people is likely the way it's going to come back at you, right? I mean, generally speaking, if you're rude to other people, they're going to be rude to you. If you're, if you're bitter around your relationships, then guess what? People are going to just keep, 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 you, keep you away. If you're dismissive of others, they're not going to give you the time of day. They're not going to give you an energy. They're not going to. Why would they invest in you? I mean, you see what I'm saying? You know this. This is, this is basic stuff. But if you're kind, most people, most people will somehow respond to that in a, in a good way. They'll be kinder to you. And so... I'm a pretty simple person. Some of you would say, I'm, yeah, he's a simpleton. I am a simpleton. And I have boiled down this message to five ways that we can be kind to each other. And they all start with S. That's how simple I am. So uh, all of them come from the power that God wants to put into your life so you can thrive in the way he's intending for you to live your life. But it also requires that you have an outcome that you take part in. So the five S's, how can I become kinder? Number one, be sensitive. Kind people are sensitive to others. You become aware of the needs of those around you. You tune in. It, it always starts there, friend. It really does. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 2 talks about how we're supposed to replicate Jesus in our life. And here's what it says. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. I mean, kindness always starts with setting yourself to the side. It's just where it starts. And here's a fact. Everyone you meet this week, they need some kindness from you. People who are sitting next to you in this room today, they, they need some kindness from you. 
You go to the ballpark and you're in that sweltering hot heat with a bunch of other people watching their children who are exhausted from the heat and they need some kindness from you. Person sitting next to you in a, you know, in a, in a restaurant or in a coffee shop or at work in your work cubicle, whatever you do in work, they need kindness from you. And the proof of that is this, you know you need it from them. You do. Now we find an example of sensitivity and kindness in the life of King David. It's in, it's in first, Second Samuel chapter 9, and just to give you a summary here, David was crowned king of Israel because he had led Israel to a series of stunning victories over enemies. And, and David, as a child, was destined by God to become the king over and against the man who was the king, Saul. Saul was the people's man. David was God's man. Okay, I'm just going to summarize it that way. So in the time of David's growing up, he became valuable to Saul to the point that Saul's son Jonathan and David, best friends, best friends. Well, David eventually became king. Saul and Jonathan both died. Saul's clan then would be considered a threat to his kingdom. And yet David did something. He asked one of his advisors whether anyone was left in Saul's family to whom he could show kindness to. And they found one of Saul's grandsons. His name is Meshibabeth. You try to say that. I'll say it wrong every time I say it. Meshibabeth. You get it. The guy had a really rotten name to have to say every day of his life. Now, again, he was Saul's grandson, and Mephibosheth, that's how you say it, was crippled in both of his feet because he had a childhood accident, so he had a disability. Uh, he was in the losing clan and probably hiding for his life, to be honest. But here's what happens. David pulled him in, and he, he probably thought, this guy's going to kill me. But David said, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Jonathan, who was David's best friend and will restore you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. In other words, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you back what you lost. Now, Mephibosheth's response is really interesting to me. He says, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Apparently, Mephibosheth had a low self-image. Apparently, he was, first of all, afraid for his life, he had lost his family, and he was a part of a losing clan. He had this physical disability that can certainly work over a human being. And he had to spell the name Mephibosheth and say it to everybody and say it right. So he had all kinds of issues. Surely he was discouraged. Here's the thing. I love this about this story. Here's David who said, you know, he was sensitive and he said, who is it that I can show kindness to? Like, like, who is it? Who's out there who's, who's got kind of on a losing streak, so to speak, who could, who could use an invitation to a new start, who could use some good old grace in a world that kicks dirt in our face? And I would say it to you. Who, you look around. Who, who would you say maybe is kind of on a losing streak right now, so to speak? And it requires a little bit of sensitive judgment too, doesn't it? But someone who's going through a particularly hard time in their life. Maybe they've lost a job or a career and they're trying to push the reset button there. Maybe it's that their marriage is, is going down the tubes and 
and, and they need some encouragement and somebody who will just come alongside and say, hey, I care about you. What can I, what can I do to help you? you know, somebody whose kids are doing a little crazy. Kids tend to do that the older they get. They get a little crazy, you know. So how can you offer some kindness? It requires some sensitivity. Here's the second thing. Be supportive. Supportive means building people up rather than tearing people down. It's as simple as that. Watching what you say to people, being supportive with your speech, being kind in words. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. You've learned that, haven't you? We're prone to labeling people. We're good at this. And man, you just got to be real careful about labeling others. I mean, some of you grew up getting labeled, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, you had people in your life that even when you were really young started putting false narratives on you, starting to tag you. Oh, they're just that. You know, you fill in the blank. Maybe school was hard for you. And, and so people, you know, at first they said, well, they're struggling in school. Then as you went on, the meaner things came at you. Oh, they're, they're stupid. They, they're just dumb. Maybe not. Maybe you just struggle with school for a while, right? Or maybe you couldn't find a niche, and so you were told you'll never amount to anything. Or maybe you were naturally gifted physically, and maybe you had siblings that were too, but you didn't like sports. So they said about you, well, they must be lazy, unlike, you know, big brother or big sister or whatever. Or maybe you were, you know, it could be anything. It could be your siblings were pretty successful, and you're maybe struggling to figure out that, and so... People start to label you that way. Labels hurt. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that death and life is found in the power of the tongue. So you destroy others by labeling them or you build them up. That's your choice. That's what it means to be supportive. Proverbs 3.3 says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I mean, I mean the, the question is, are your words kind? Are you speaking kindness when, when, whenever you can? You know, even when it, it's, it's hard to come out, you know, do you encourage others? Or are you discouraging? Do you lift up or do you tear down? And, you know, by the way, I'm not talking about just fun-loving ribbing and teasing each other because there's a place for that. Look, we're human and we can have fun with each other, but not at the expense of others. See what I'm saying? There's a difference, Right? Now, a good example of this is Joseph. We, we went through the book of Genesis about a year ago, and, and we spent a considerable amount of time talking about Joseph, the Old Testament uh, superhero, if you will. And if you remember, Joseph went on a 20-year losing streak. Uh, he, was, uh, he was his father's favorite, so that caused problems with his siblings. He was in a blended family. And his siblings were jealous of him, so they schemed to kill him, but instead they just went ahead and sold him into slavery. So he was taken off to Egypt as a slave. There he went into the household of a man named Potiphar, and he was accused after a while of, of adultery. And so he was thrown into jail, thrown into prison. While in prison, he was passed over for promotions that really he deserved. And so for 20 years, he went through this horrible time. But all along, he knew that God had a purpose for his life. 
And even though he was put into prison, he was a victim of broken promises, later the tables were turned, and he actually became the second most powerful person in the nation of Egypt, which at that time was the superpower in the world. So it got to a point where there's a drought, and his brothers, who had sold him to slavery, they came to him not knowing it was him, this, this, this big wig in, in Egypt, and they begged him for food. And it was a perfect opportunity for him to slaughter them on the altar. But here's what it says. It says, he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Because kindness builds a bridge. Harsh words destroy the bridge. Kindness builds it. So as a Christ in, as a Christian, I need to learn how to speak kindly to people, even when it doesn't seem natural to me, and even when really they deserve something else from me. So be sensitive, be supportive. Third S, be sympathetic. People appreciate it when you're sympathetic. It's hard to be sympathetic sometimes, but it's essential. I mean, many times when someone's experiencing crisis, people say, well, I just feel so awkward. I I don't really know what I'm going to say. And usually the first thing to say, if, like for instance, if it's a grief situation or a situation, like I said earlier, where some relationship's been broken up and you're just like lost for words, usually the best thing to say is nothing. <laughs> it's just to be there, to, to somehow insert yourself out of love, out of that awkwardness and just say, I'm here. And if they're crying, weep a tear. And if it's a time of joy and they're celebrating, you don't know what to say, well, don't just celebrate with them. Be, be a part of that. That's kindness. That's sympathy. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That doesn't sound that hard. I mean, if someone's crying, shed a tear. If someone's laughing, laugh along with them. The shortest verse in the Bible only has two words. You know what they are? Jesus wept. That's right. Jesus wept. And the circumstance is kind of strange. I mean, I, I look at this story, I've, I've probably preached 30 sermons out of this story. It's, uh, it's John chapter 11 where his friend Lazarus has died and he's going to raise him from the dead. Many of you know the story. And it's always baffled me. I'm like, why in the world would Jesus weep? Because he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. So here's Mary and Martha and they're all emotional. And if you would have been here, Jesus, my brother wouldn't have died. And he could have just said, ah, what are you worried about? I'm going to raise him from the dead. Don't, no big deal. Let's all go have a party. But he didn't do that. He saw them weeping. He saw the emotion. And he himself wept. And I've wondered, why did he do that? Why would the king of kings and lord of lords break down and cry in that situation? And I think there's a reason. I think the reason is he wanted to show us how to be sympathetic. He wanted to show us that there are things to cry about. And when death takes a friend, it's a reason to cry. Even if you know there's a resurrection. I've done many, many memorial services where the thing we say is, this is a sad time for us. We're all crying, but we know there's a resurrection. That's our hope. Being sympathetic. Being sympathetic. And no matter how many Bible verses I memorize, no matter how often I go to church, if I'm not kind, I'm not like Jesus. If I'm not sensitive, if I'm not supportive, if I'm not sympathetic, if I'm not straightforward at times, that's the next one. Kind person, 
is always an honest person. Now, sometimes kindness means being candid. Sometimes it means laying it on the line, telling someone the truth, leveling with the person. Sometimes the kindest thing I can do is to be frank with a friend, and that's the key. The key is friend. Candid has to be wrapped in concern. In Proverbs 27, the contemporary English version, it says, you can trust a friend who corrects you, a friend. But kisses from an enemy are nothing but lies. Because a real friend is someone who will say, hey, hey man, you're screwing up. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost your family. I care about you. you see what you're doing here? And, and when that comes from a friend, as hard as it, as it is to hear it, it's matter, it matters. It's, it's something, something that will change your life. Suppose a doctor examines you, finds something seriously wrong with you. And they say, hey, you got, you got two options here. One is that we can schedule surgery immediately and we can, we can take care of this issue right now. Or just relax, don't worry about it. Call me in the morning, I don't know, whatever, you know. Uh, which is the kinder statement? If, if you know your life is in jeopardy, you know it's the first one. Right? You know that, that the kind thing for that doctor to say is, you need this surgery or else. I mean, in the book of Galatians, you can read chapter or two earlier in, from Galatians 5, chapter 2, actually. And, and it's a very straightforward moment. It's, it's, it's a situation where Paul is describing what had happened with Peter. Peter had gone into the, into the Galatian province to visit the churches, all these new Gentile churches that were popping up everywhere. And Peter came from a Jewish background, Jewish-Christian background. But he came and he saw what was going on. He was excited about the movement of God in these Gentile territories. And, you know, when he was with the Gentiles, he was eating their food because God told him to. And he was celebrating in the ways that they celebrated. But then some Jewish Christians came along. And Peter all of a sudden pulled back. He didn't want to be associated in their minds. He didn't want to associate in their minds his acceptance of these Gentile Christians. And Paul called him out. He said, look, you're being a hypocrite. This is wrong. You need to treat all of God's children the same, whether they come from the Jewish bent or the Gentile background. It doesn't make any difference. And then he wrote this. This is Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul cared about Peter, and he loved the church. And he, and he was honest with his friend. And it made a difference. It changed the church forever. So, I will say this to you. If those you are confronting have not experienced your love, your joy, your patience toward them, good luck with the straightforwardness. It's not the time for you. Now, one more thing about kindness. It's spontaneous. If you want to be kind, learn to be spontaneous. You don't wait to show it. You do it while you have the opportunity. In Galatians 6, which is written, you know, just right after what he shows us in the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, he says this, so then, that means that in light of what we've learned in the last page in the fruit of the Spirit teaching, so then, 
while we have the opportunity, let us good, do good to all people, especially those who are in the household of faith. Note the phrase, while we have the opportunity. These opportunities for kindness are oftentimes sporadic. I mean, they just hit us and we have to decide. And I think well, that's where the Holy Spirit can really help us. I mean, on some occasion, you probably thought, that person, they needed me. And I was busy. I, I, I didn't react. And then I missed the moment. You know, you, you thought, I'm going to take a meal over to that family because they just lost a parent or they lost somebody. And I bet they're just reeling. I'm going to drop something off. But you got busy. You had to go to work. You have kids. You're doing your thing. And the moment was gone. And so then it was awkward because, you know, I can't go now, three months later. Which, by the way, you can. You can go three months later. As a matter of fact, you might have a really good conversation three months later. You can do that. But the, the fact is, these opportunities come, and sometimes we just let them go. And all of us have done the things like that, by the way, where our good intentions stalled out. Yet when it comes to kindness, good intentions don't count. Because the opportunities don't always last until I get around to it. So I would say if you have the slightest inclination to do something, just do it. Take a risk. It'll be Okay. A classic example of this spontaneous kindness is a teaching that Jesus gives. It's in Luke chapter 10. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. You know the story. A man is going down a road, Jesus says, and he's, he's accosted by robbers, and he's beaten half dead, and everything's taken from him, and he's laying there, dying on the road, and people start coming by. First of all, this, this priest comes by, so this religious human being. And you'd think that maybe if anyone would help the guy out, it'd be the religious guy, right? Well, he sees him and goes, well, I'm not going to help that guy. I've got places to be. I'm, by the way, he's a Samaritan, so I'm not going to, I don't know what he is, but he's not my kind of guy. I'm not going to help him. So he keeps going. Well, then another religious person comes by and they say, no, not me. I mean, I'm, I'd like to help, but, you know, if I do, I'm not going to help the people that I go help. So he put him in a category and pushed him aside and said, no, I can't help. Well, then this third guy comes on. He is a Samaritan. And it says that he, the one who would be the most surprising one to do it, he bandages his wounds, does the best he can, does some triage. He puts him on his donkey, he takes him to an inn, which would be our equivalence of a hospital. He, he pays the innkeeper and says, heal him, bring him back to health. And when I come back through, if there's any outstanding debt, I'll pay it. I'll take care of this man. He takes care of him. Now, Kindness cost him. It seems like the Samaritan, he didn't think twice. He dropped everything. It was spontaneous. And he would have had excuses. He probably was a fairly wealthy human being if he had the ability to do that stuff for the man. He had a donkey. If you had a donkey in those days, you, you had some bucks, okay? I know, the standard's been raised, okay? It's your Lexus now. I get it. But the, the, I'm trying to say, the guy had some, some resources, but he paid the price, and he did it in the moment. And here's the point. Jesus doesn't care about our excuses. He cares that we care. There are all kinds of people around you, and they're hurting. And if you just open your eyes, you're not going to have any trouble finding any of them. And I'm embarrassed to admit this, but generally the reason I don't insert myself it's because I'm selfish. I don't want to take a risk. And what if it costs me more than I want to pay? What if I can't control that? 
If you're around here much, you know that we always wrap things back around to our Lord Jesus. Jesus who modeled the kind of life all of us should aspire to. And in Romans 2.4, it says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does that mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? See, ultimately, everything that Jesus has done for you is centered on his kindness for you. One of my favorite songs that we sing here has a line that says, Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? See, Jesus sees you when you're the most hurt. You say, that guy on the road laying there bleeding to death, that pretty much describes me today. I am bleeding out. And what he wants you to know is, he dropped everything for you. He put himself into your situation. He came to heal you. He inconvenienced himself. He crossed the road. He came into your pain zone. He went the extra mile. He paid the price for your recovery. He healed you. He gave you a new lease on life. That's the kind of kindness that he shows us. And that is precisely what he calls us to do for each other. That's what it means to live out the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, as we commune today, we are celebrating you, the kind one, the one of mercy and grace. As we commune together as your church, this is our celebration. Amen. Hey, have I ever, have I ever talked to you about the preacher's bane? Do you know what the preacher's bane? Do you know what that is? You're thinking, yeah, that's when I have to sit here and listen to that guy every week. No, that's not the preacher's bane. Maybe this is for you, not for me. But the preacher's bane is that, so I start working on a message like this a week earlier, 10 days earlier, whatever, whenever I get to it to start. And then God just facials me, you know? Like everywhere I go, he's like, kindness, kindness, look at yourself. And I had a whole week of that, like where, like it's, it's on me. Like you could probably be nicer to people. <laughs> you could say that differently. You could be more patient and you could actually step in there. And, and at least say, I care, right? And at first it's like, for me, it's like, oh, this hurts. But then it dawned on me about halfway through the week, good, it needs to. Because that means the Holy Spirit is in me pushing on me. And I'm happy about that, as hard as it is, that I feel that, that he's showing me and he's willing to invest in me that way so that I can be the kind of person he wants me to be. That's what thriving is. So I don't know what this did to you. If you feel guilty today, good. Be a little different this week. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.